how's everybody doing this evening? Oh, come on, we can do better than that. If you love Jesus, make some noise in the room. Glory to God. I'm so happy. Sister, would you mind just coming up for a sec? Come on, do me a favor. Yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah, you. I want us just a moment. Can we all stand to our feet before we dive into the word? I am just so full of anticipation of what God wants to do tonight. I just would like to ask everybody to lift your hands for a moment. Holy Spirit, I thank you for the worship that's already gone forth. Lord, I thank you for the preparing of the ground of our hearts. Lord, to receive all that you have for each and every one of us. Lord, I thank you it's for every man, woman, boy, girl, no matter what age. Lord, you're here for us tonight. Because, Lord, you respond to hungry hearts. You respond to hungry souls that are saying, God, I need more. And, Lord, even tonight we ask, Holy Spirit, take control of every moment of the rest of this service. Do what you desire to do. And, Lord, I just pray even now you begin to stir the fire of God on the inside of us. I thank you that it's going to the north, south, east, and west. That even right here from this very room, there are leaders being groomed and birthed. That even right now from this very room, Lord, I see a next generation of preachers and ministers and prophets and apostles being raised up. Even now from this very room, I see business owners walking in multiplication and blessing. I see people walking forward as good stewards of the resources you've given them. I see marriages healing and growing and helping others. Father, I thank you for depression leaving, anxiety leaving, and the fullness of your freedom in this place even tonight. So Lord, we take the limits off tonight. Come on out of your mouth, say, I take the limits off. Let's say it again, say, I take the limits off. And Lord, we take it off for you tonight and say, come, come Holy Spirit. Come on, come on out of your mouth, would you, just for about 30 seconds, just start praying. Just start praying. If you're full of the baptism of spirit in other tongues, just start speaking in those tongues right now. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. You are welcome in this place. You're welcome in our life. We lay ourselves at the altar and we say, come. Come, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, we worship you. We worship you. We worship you. praise right now. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Abby. Oh, my goodness. Can you feel the Holy Spirit in this room tonight? How many of you love your pastors? Come on, let them know you love them. I 
I know I brag on them all the time, but you know, when people are really that cool, you gotta talk about them, you know? And they've, they've welcomed me into their home this weekend and just spending time together. You know, in our society that we live in, and uh, especially in the United States, we're very busy. We're, our schedules are full. And uh, you know, sometimes it's difficult to just get out and just have a dinner with somebody. And what I so love and appreciate about your pastors is they're countercultural to that. That they say, we need to slow it down and be with each other. We need to talk and get to know each other and love one another and, and spend time. And you know, you can't do that always in 30 minutes or an hour. And uh, you know, and that's what I love about them. That's their heart. And so even when I come to town, I get blessed because uh, James and I will just sit and hang and sip coffee and talk about Jesus and talk about life and ministry and just have hours to do. I mean, it's, it's rare and, and not uh, normal. And so because of that, whenever we dedicate time, we get uh, abnormal results, right? We get the Holy Spirit intervening. We get, uh, you know, the Bible talks about iron sharpening iron. And so even him and I, we just can uh, exhort one another in the spirit. And it's a beautiful thing. And so I love that spirit in this house. And you feel it even, uh, you know, when you, you turn to your neighbor and shake their hand. You know, here you get like 10 minutes to do that. Come on, that's cool. You know why? Because this is a family, right? And this is a church family. And that's what the church should be. And so I love that spirit here. And I just want to tell you, this place is special. I hope you know it. So if you're happy for Reach Community, come on, let's give God a praise for this amazing ministry. Well, last night, oh my goodness, I don't know about you. If you were here last night, the Holy Spirit was here. Amen. And tonight and last night, as I was sharing with you and I've been praying about today, I believe tonight is going to be like an igniter night inside of each and every one of our hearts. I want to encourage you to just get ready. Don't sit back and say, well, I hope this guy has something good for me tonight. No, no, no. I want you to get on the edge of your seat and say, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Bring it on. Bring it on. Bring it on. Because your expectation and anticipation for what God is going to do is the very thing that will release his spirit in a powerful, miraculous way in your life. You know, if we don't expect anything from God, come on, we won't get anything from God. And it's not that God's not able. He's exceedingly able to do above all we can ever ask, think, dream, or imagine. But he's looking for faith. And think of Jesus. I remember the one uh, story in the Bible where he goes to the blind man who was evidently blind. Everybody knew he was blind. And he came to Jesus, and Jesus didn't just heal him. Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man knew he was blind. Jesus knew he was blind. Everybody in the room knew he was blind. But what's so powerful is that the word of expectation that Christ put on the man was what he was looking for, for faith. And sometimes when we're sitting here and looking at our circumstances and our lives, we might look at our situation and the Lord's saying, what do you want from me? And sometimes we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to say, I want freedom from that thing. Sometimes we don't want to, we, we might feel ashamed. We, we don't want to talk about, God, I need, I, I need some uh, extra funds right now. God, I need my bills paid, right? It's hard sometimes because of various reasons, and we don't want to let it exit our lips, and we just want to leave it in our brain. But there's a moment when we say, God, I need your miraculous intervention in my life. And you know why? Because it takes humility. 
But the Lord responds to the humble. He tears down the prideful. And so our humility becomes a posturing to receive something that our pride will never be able to obtain. Because the Lord is looking for sacrifice. And so if we're giving a sacrifice, therefore, of our flesh, and pride is a part of that, we have now laid ourselves on the altar to now receive the, the, the blessing that God has for us. So get ready tonight. Everybody say, I'm ready. Amen. Well, grab your Bibles. I want us to turn to one of my favorite scriptures in the Word. It's in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8. And I've already said I want to say it one more time. I believe tonight is going to be an igniter night. I want to pray for everybody in this room tonight who wants prayer. And I believe as we pray together, the Lord's going to stir something for those that are wanting it. Get ready. Get ready to receive. Let's say something together. Can we all say these words? Say, revival starts right here. Let's say it again. Say, revival starts right here. That's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Let's read the book of Acts chapter 1, verse 8. New King James says it this way. But you shall receive power... When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and on all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Everybody says, Amen. You know, these were the last words that we have of Jesus before he ascended into heaven. He had walked the walk. He had lived the life. He had been crucified. He had been resurrected from the dead. He had completed his mission here on earth, and the last thing he tells his disciples is not goodbye. He didn't say, I hope you do okay without me. He looked at him and said, you shall receive power. The same power that he walked with, the same power that opened the blind eyes, the same power that healed the sick, the same power that multiplied the loaves and the fishes, the same power that he said, you shall do these works and even greater ones. That's the power he was talking about. And he said, you shall receive power when? Everybody say, when? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and then you'll be witnesses to me all over the world. Now, I've been in ministry my whole life. Uh, now, I didn't perform in ministry. I didn't do the actions of ministry until I was about a teenager. Any teenagers? If you're a teenager, clap. Make some noise. If you're a teenager, awesome. When I, became, when, when I became a teenager, I started serving in the house of God and doing things in the house of God. And it was a beautiful thing. And do anything you can. Young people, hear me. Just do anything. It doesn't matter. If your pastor says, I need you to pick this up, and your job at this point is pick this up and move it right here, you say, yes, sir. And you just stand there and wait for your orders. You know, sometimes it's the simplest things. And we just need to obey and learn what it means to just serve. And just do whatever is needed in the house. And I started serving in the house of God at a young age. You know, my grandfather was a minister. My parents are ministers. All my aunts and uncles are ministers. You know, it's just kind of in my, in my family. And I have a beautiful, rich heritage. But even with all of that, as I begin to grow and begin to do things in the church, thank God for the heritage. It brought me a lot of knowledge. But the knowledge isn't enough because in the end, every single one of us have a responsibility to go after the calling and destiny that God has for our lives. And even if you come from a great heritage like I was blessed, 
Or if you come from no spiritual heritage, guess what? We all start at the same starting points. Because just because my daddy had it or my granddaddy had it doesn't mean I'm going to have it. I got to find Jesus for myself. And just because everybody in your bloodline might have had alcohol problems or drug problems or abuse doesn't mean you're going to have those things either. The Lord says we all start together at the same point. And so a yielded vessel starts to produce something, and that is the posturing for the beginning of the supernatural work that God has for your life. If you're with me, say amen. So I was serving. I was leading worship and growing in that and doing these things. And when I was in my uh, early 20s, I was just praying and believing God for something more in my life. God, I, I don't know why I'm feeling this way, but I, I just feeling something more. My wife and I were just newly married. My, my beautiful wife, Terry, and I have been married over 16 years. We have three awesome kids, age 14, 12, and 10. And uh, my son is in high school, and that's a weird feeling for me. Makes me feel a little old. And, uh, but, you know, I'm not quite as wise as your pastor. I haven't had that grace set in yet, but, you know, I'm believing the Lord to keep the youth. <laughs> yes, it will. There was a minister in America that I grew up listening to, and his name was R.W. Shambach. Does anybody, has anybody ever heard of that person? Just a few. You know, he's passed on. He's in heaven. And he was a great uh, tent evangelist to the 50s and 60s and 70s. He did amazing work all over the world. And when he was an elderly man, there was an opportunity for me to go to Kenya, Africa with them. Now, I had never been out of the country uh, outside of one missions trip when I was a teenager. And so when this opportunity came, I was praying for it. I said, God, remember that starting point? You know, I said, God, I am ready for something more, and I don't even know what it is. And all of a sudden, because I was praying and asking for it, a, a pastor friend of mine came and said, hey, have you ever thought about going on a missions trip? I said, I don't know. He's like, well, now's your lucky day. You can come with me. I said, where are we going? He said, Kenya, Africa. I said, when? Next year? He's like, three weeks. Seriously. I, now, I did have a passport. But, you know, you got to get visas. And so, I mean, I just said, I'm in, you know. And my wife and I prayed about it. And we just went for it. And I prayed and found any pennies and dollars I could and, and bought some plane tickets and just went for it. So I get to Kenya. And I had this dream that God would use me in the ways that I had seen other great men and women of God be used uh, in our church and in, in different ways. Um, for so many years. I'd seen miracles as a young boy. I remember being six years old when I saw my first like healing happen. And I was in church and I remember this lady had a leg about that much shorter. And I remember this lady had like serious crutches. She couldn't even walk. Her legs were so short. They couldn't even make the shoes that long. She had to walk with crutches. And I'll never forget. And she came to the church all the time. Everybody knew. And as a kid, you know, we called her like Stumpy Sue and stuff. And it was really mean. Terrible, evil children. And uh, no, none children like that here. And Stumpy Sue, she came in. And Stumpy Sue would praise, you know. Aren't kids terrible? We're terrible children. Sometimes. At least I was. Sorry. And, uh, but I'll never forget we had a, a man of God come. And he called out Stumpy Sue. And he said, God's going to grow your leg out. And that got my attention. What did he say about Stumpy Sue? <laughs> now, everybody's in the spirit. You know, I'm just, I'm just the little, you know, 
little rude kid, you know, just spectating. And I watched as that man of God prayed for her, and I watched that leg grow out. I'll never forget it. It changed my life. Later, I repented for calling her Stumpy Sue because I realized how bad that was. But my point is this, that I grew up and I watched these things, and it was intriguing to me. And, 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 and as I grew older and I became a teenager, I got a hunger for God. Anybody in here have a hunger for the things of God? Amen. Now, it's one thing when you're around it and watching it. But I don't know about you, and maybe this is you tonight, and that was me then for sure when I was in my early 20s. But I had hit that point where I said, God, could I ever be used for those types of things? Has anybody ever felt that for something in God's kingdom before? You, you see others doing something great or impacting, and you just think, wow, that's so amazing. But God, could you ever use me? But something on the inside of you might hint just how do I, quote, cross over into that, 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 that place where, where the Lord's using me to help people, you know? And I began a journey of reading the word more than ever and praying and fasting and consecrating. But, you know, and all that's the preparation, by the way. But, but, but how do we cross over? What does that mean? What does that look like? So when this trip to Kenya came about, I was ready to get something. And I so admired this man, Brother Shambach, and I just wanted him to lay hands on me one time. I just wanted him to bless me, you know? And so the, the pastor that invited me said, Brother, you're going to be around Brother Shambach all week. He's going to lay hands on you every day. You know, you're going to be swimming in blessing. And I was like, "Woo! I can't wait. <laughs> so we get to Kenya. And, you know, I was exhausted. It was a long trip, and we start the crusade, and it's amazing. Day one goes by, and Brother Shambach, you know, I don't get the chance, but, you know, we're meeting with press, and I got to meet the vice president of Kenya and just be in the room, and I'm just in awe of what God's doing, and, and, uh, but no prayer time with Brother Shambach, then, you know, and just the weeks going on. I remember the first uh, day of the crusade. We had about 100,000 people in attendance. It was huge. I mean, there was people from one end of this park in Nairobi, Kenya, to the other. And I had never seen a crowd like this before. And I was just sitting in the chairs, just participating. And I'll never forget, I'll never forget, Brother Shambach's up there preaching. He was, of course, older at that time. And there, a demon-possessed man comes running out of the crowd. And you could just see something was off with this guy. Everybody else is sitting and kind of hanging out. And this guy just comes out of nowhere and, you know, and you're like, well, is this real? And so the ushers, like, kind of greet him to stop him. And he starts punching people and throwing them out of the way. And, like, I'm over, like, there. So this was another show I'm watching, you know. And I'm nervous and, like, what's going to happen? And I'm like, surely all those ushers. Well, the stage was huge. It was about up here. So the stairs go way down. So I'm on the other side. I can't see. And all of a sudden, but I can see the top of the stage. And there comes that guy up the stairs. Oh, like, he going to get Brother Shambach. And he gets up the stairs like a demon. And comes out like a zombie or something. I mean, this was a real manifestation. And I watched Brother Shambach. He was preaching his sermon. And he just caught up. And he said, Devil! No! And the guy just dropped to the ground. I mean, dead. I thought he killed him. I mean, and this guy, those ushers that were like bleeding, they just come up and drag the body off. And I'm like, what is happening? 
And Brother Shambach literally didn't skip a beat. He's like, no. So like I was saying, you know, just. <laughs> what did I witness? I witnessed some power. You know, and in the flesh, you know, supernatural, d demonic power is supernatural, but it's, it's demonic. So natural flesh and power are not as strong. But God's supernatural power <laughs> in one word binds the demonic power. And I witnessed that, and it was so powerful. And I went back to Acts 1, hey, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And I was praying, oh, and I couldn't even sleep that night. And I remember just praying in my hotel room saying, God, I, I want power. I, I want to understand this, God. You know, and I was just seeking. God, you ever been there? You're just seeking the Lord. Like, God, give me an answer. Show me what am I supposed to do. And it's like you're going to implode. Maybe it's me because I'm a passionate person for Jesus. Well, the next day, the pastor said, hey, Aaron, we know it's kind of last minute, but at 10 a.m. today, now, mind you, this is 8 a.m. when they're asking me, there's about 8,000 pastors that are gathering, and we talked last night, and we feel you're supposed to pray for all the pastors and preach to them today. What do you say? And I was terrified. I said, mm, okay. And they're like, well, let's eat breakfast. I'm like, I gotta go study. They're like, you don't have a message? I'm like, I don't think so, you know. So I, I get something, I don't know what I preached to them, but I, I got something put together and was sweating bullets and, you know, and sure enough, there was like 8,000 people. I mean, it was a massive crowd. And they're all saying, they introduced me and I come trembling up. You know, I'm in a full suit and tight, mind you, in the African sun. That didn't help either. I was a little queasy and just overheated. And, and so I get up there and I preach my word and then I like kind of looked around like, and then the, the African leader comes up. He's like, go pray. Go pray for the sick. I'm like, these are all pastors. He's like, yeah, pastors get sick too. Go pray for them. <laughs> now, I've been praying, God, use me, use me, use me, use me, God. Lord, let your power come through. Let Acts 1-8 be mine. Lord, I want to operate in the miracles of Jesus and all these kinds of things. And so I go down there, and there's this huge line of people that all need prayer. And there's this guy in a wheelchair, and he's sitting there. And when you come face to face all of a sudden with what you're praying for, it can be a little intimidating. So I look at the guy in the wheelchair. He goes, pray. And I'm like, hey, can, you'll be the wheelchair guy. And I was like, God, just help, help this brother. Amen. <laughs> like, just so intimidated, right? You know, I mean... Because here's the reality. When you come face to face with the reality of life's traumas and problems and sickness and burdens, and you're looking at it face to face and you recognize real quick, I can't do anything for these people. So I prayed for them. Everybody, uh, you know, you want to know what happened? Everybody say what? nothing. I went and prayed for a few more people. You might say, well, did you feel encouraged? Did you feel like God was using you? No. I wanted to run and hide in a hole. I felt so embarrassed, ashamed. I didn't know what to do, right? You know, you read the Bible. You have a manual. It's called the Bible. 
But just like Ikea, sometimes it doesn't make sense, you know? <laughs> and so I'm praying for people, and I'm just discouraged. And I'll never forget that guy in the wheelchair rolls down in the wheelchair to me. He goes, hey! Yelling at me like mad, like a disgruntled customer. <laughs> he goes, you pray for me like you mean it. I said, sir, I, I don't know how. He goes, listen, God told me today was my day. And so you're here. Nobody else. The leaders prayed for you to preach to us. So I didn't choose you. I don't think you chose you. He goes, but God chose you, apparently. So that's the mantle you're on right now. So you pray for me like you mean it. Because God told me today's my day, and I'm not leaving here until I get my miracle. And I said, sir, I don't know what to do. He's like, you don't have to do anything. The power is in God's hands. It's your job to do the believing. I just need you to believe God can do it for me. Can you do that? I mean, this guy's rebuking me. I said, yes, sir. <laughs> I believe it. And I said, God, help this man. Lord, let him walk. God, I can't do it. I'm pathetic. I'm a loser. You know, like just feeling terrible about myself. And this man's agreeing, amen, he is. <laughs> he can't do anything. <laughs> so there we are agreeing. Come here, you're the wheelchair guy. Give me the hand. Give me your hand. Amen. And we're just tug of war. And God, you do it. I can't. You do it. I can't. You do it. I can't. And then I was tired, you know. I mean, we, we tugged and warred for a while, you know. And finally I said, Amen. He said, Amen. And then he just, I backed away and, like, can I go now? You know, like, you ever felt like really unholy? You know, that was. I, I didn't have hot flashes and cold chills in the moment. I didn't have the spirit tingling all over me. I felt just inadequate. I just wanted to get out of there. And I'll never forget, I backed up, and that brother just lifted his hands. He said, I receive it. I receive it. I receive it. I receive it. And I watched that man just get up. God did the miracle. He started walking, and his legs were wobbly. And he said, I receive it, I receive it, I receive it, I receive it. I re and his legs got strong. This man had gotten in a car wreck, and he had not walked in years. But he said, today was my day for the miracle. I receive it. And he starts, he starts walking faster. And I'm just standing like over there like, God's doing it. It's not me, it's God. You know, just like. And this man starts running. That place went crazy, praising the Lord. The glory of God fell on that crowd. That miracle, we have it all in video. It's beautiful. And just, and I'll never forget, I was just in the crowd just going, yeah. And I began to realize something in these moments. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. 
and then you'll be my witnesses. I was a witness. I, I started, I was witnessing something I had never seen before. That God, for whatever reason, took my pathetic, lowly prayers of inadequacy and intimidation and took this broken vessel, this kid who's 23, just out there trying to do something for Jesus. But I'd been praying and fasting that God would use me, but I almost never believed he actually would. And in that moment, the Lord said, you didn't do it, I did. And all the pressure came off. And I began to realize something with praying for the sick, with believing God for miracles for other people in this world. And I've prayed for, I don't even know any people in my life now at this phase of my life, in 50 different nations. I've been on every continent. And one thing that I can tell you is for sure, it's not us. It's the power of the Holy Spirit working through us. So when I'm talking to you tonight about stirring the fire, I want you to understand something. This isn't just for praying for the sick. Because sometimes we're like, well, that's good. That's for the preachers. I don't need all that. Well, if you want blessing on your business, you better start praying. Because the same power that blesses and brings favor comes from on high. If you want blessing in your home, you got to start praying for it. The same power that brings peace and direction and life. The same power that breaks addictions. The same power that frees us from guilt and shame and condemnation comes from the same source. It is the power of the Holy Spirit. And when it comes upon you, you become a witness to his glory. And your life becomes a witness to those around you. And people can look at you and say, you used to be this way, but look at you now. And then people say, what's different? You say, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. Is anybody in this place? Say yes. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit. Glory. Man, I feel His presence right now. And I remember the next day I got, they let me pray again. And the pastors would tell me, you see, see young man, see what happens when you let God do the work? Your job's to believe. Now get out there and believe again, you know? And the pastors were coaching me pretty good, you know? And then I get out there the next day and literally same thing. Somebody else preached the sermon, but the prayer line came and I thought I was safe on the side. And those same pastors said, get, get over here. I said, get back in there and pray for people. I'm like, again? I thought I was good for this trip. The first person I walk up to is a pastor. Remember, it's a pastor's conference. It's a woman and she had a ulcer this big coming out of her side. It, it was a huge, I mean, size of a cantaloupe or something. I mean, and she had a shirt on over it. I, you know, I didn't know. I don't think she's pregnant, you know? Like, because it was awkward. It wasn't like, and I said, what do you need prayer for? And she's like, this. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So like, you know, so I'm like, touching her head. I'm like, Jesus, Lord, touch that thing. Amen. Are you good, sister? Now think about Africa, if you've never been. At least the Africans I've come into contact with in these areas, especially the pastors. I mean, they're, they're a little forceful in the spirit. She said, brother, if your mama was dying, is that how you pray for your mama? I was like, no, I don't think so. Then you 
pretend I'm your mama. And now pray like you actually care. I'm like, she, she said, no, no, no. My head okay. Don't touch my head. And she grabbed my hand and pulled her shirt up and put my hand on that thing. And it was all warm and squishy. So here I am. <laughs> I lost Pastor James. <laughs> so here I am. It's all warm and squishy. <laughs> and everybody's watching at this point. I'm like, and I'm so just overwhelmed and intimidated and she's like pray like I'm your mama I'm like here we go and I begin to pray and I'm like Lord she goes louder I'm like Lord louder she's screaming at me and finally I'll tell you this in all sincerity she goes it's killing me Pray for me. And something on my heart broke. It's called compassion. See, Jesus was moved to compassion many times before miracles took place. And all of a sudden, the ickiness or the, I'm intimidated or this is awkward stuff just broke off. And I felt her pain. Not physically, but just in my heart. And I just started praying, God, Lord, touch this woman. And it shifted. It shifted. And all that shifted was compassion. All that shifted was I started believing God could do it. And I, you know what? I started saying, God, you healed that man in the wheelchair yesterday. Now heal this woman. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I don't know how you did it for the other man. It's not for me to know. It's for you to do. And we just started praying. And the other pastors came, and they brought anointing on. We started anointing that thing. And it was awkward and weird, but it became powerful. And, I, and she, like, I'd take my hand off, and she kept grabbing it and putting it on that thing. And I said, we're going to keep praying. And you know what happened over about 60 seconds? I had my eyes closed, and that thing literally shriveled up in my hands. And it got about this big and fell off into my hand. And then I dropped it. Seriously. Absolutely floored. I was in awe beyond awe. And this woman is just praising God and running around and crying. She said, the pain's gone. I mean, and the Lord was glorified. And, and pastors started running down and giving their hearts to Jesus all over again. I mean, they did. They were repenting. I mean, this, the Spirit of God moved in a mighty way. And I'm thinking, what is happening? And the Lord said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. And you'll be my witness realized I'm his witness again he's the one with the power but he's using me as a vessel and in the same way for all of us I'm just using stories from my life as a simple example because all of us are just people and the Lord uses obedience as a tool for his glory he's the one with the glory not us 
He's the one with the power, not us. But what we are to him are yielded vessels. And if you're a yielded vessel, you become open for the pouring out on the inside of you. And the word says it will be overflowing. And you talk about the anointing coming on you and all these things and the word that we discuss and it's so true. But you can't do it. And for years I would believe God that he would use me like Jesus. But I thought like I had to do something. I, I thought I had to be a magician or something, right? You know, I'm like, I don't know what to do. And I would talk to people and they would just tell me seasoned people of faith. And they would say, just believe. I'm like, it doesn't seem like enough. And they're like, well, you're not believing right. And they were right. But these things are confusing to our natural mind. But so simple in the spirit. And I want to encourage you tonight that I believe a stirring is going to happen even this evening for those that are saying, God, I want the fire of God in my life. And can I tell you, when these moments took place in my life on that trip, something changed on the inside of me. I had a confidence in my faith that God would actually do what his word said he would do. And so then as I started praying for more people, I just got more bold because I didn't feel the pressure that I had to do anything except love Jesus and live holy. I'm like, that's my job. Read the Bible, pray, live righteous, and God does the rest. That's a pretty good formula. Are you in the room tonight? It keeps you on the straight and narrow. It keeps you healthy and happy. Come on, are you hearing me? That's the only requirement. Just love Jesus and follow him and do what his word says. And he does the miraculous and he wants to use you. And that power can show up anywhere. That power can show up, sure, in a crusade overseas. That power can show up in your home. That power can show up at your work. That power can show up on a business phone call. Can I tell you the business phone calls I've had for Jesus where I was talking to secular people and they would say, you know, I don't know why, but I just feel led to give you this. I said, thank you. I don't know why, but I just feel led to say yes to your proposal. Thank you. The Lord shows up whenever we're yielding our vessel to him. And I want to tell everybody here and encourage you. That's what I believe my job is this weekend. We're talking about refreshing week. Can you take the pressure off of yourself? Can I say it again? Can you take the pressure off of yourself and give it back into the hands where it should belong, which is his? In the same way, I can't. Oh, believe harder and then all of a sudden miracles happen any more than you can oh, hope that worry just disappears or hope that you feel better or hope that depression leaves or hope the anxiety just goes away that you in your own strength and flesh cannot deliver yourself that is why we are in need of a savior we need his grace we need his mercy we need his power and all God's looking for you to do is drop on your knees and say God I want you and when we yield ourselves, the Lord says, I'll take care of the rest because he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And see, in my scenario, I was bearing the burden 
I felt I had to do it. I felt I was the one to do it. I felt all these things and I felt inadequate. I felt shameful. I felt intimidated. And right now in your situation, have you ever felt inadequate? Have you ever felt intimidated? Have you ever felt shameful for some decisions you made? Or, or maybe you just can't get it there. And you're looking at others and you're comparing yourself and saying, well, God, why do they have it? Why is this person have What am I missing? Right? And that cycle of the flesh is taking place. And God's saying, would you just take all of that tonight and lay it down here on the altar and let my healing miracle power flow from the Holy Spirit onto you and you shall be my witness and you shall testify when I do what only I can do and I'm telling somebody tonight you're on the verge of a miracle you are on the verge of the greatest breakthrough that your life has ever seen and all you got to do is release it to the Lord and when he comes through and does the miracle you're not going to say look what I did you're going to say look what the Lord has done Hallelujah. I want to encourage you tonight. God's ready to do miracles in your life. God, did you believe it? Yeah. Hallelujah, because you've got to believe. And just like that lady said, don't give me that fake prayer. How many times do we approach an altar with a little bit of our faith? Lord Jesus, hallelujah. Just like I did that lady, touch her head, say, thank you, Lord. Right? I'm not meaning it. I'm not releasing it. I'm not giving my all to him. I'm just... Giving him a touch. The Lord doesn't want just a piece of you. He wants all of you. He wants your heart. He wants you to just give it to him. And I'm just telling you, I just believe. My goodness. The refreshing wind of the Holy Spirit in this room is ready and able to touch you right where you're at in your circumstances. He's a big God. He's a mighty God. He's a miracle-working God. And he's looking for yielded vessels. Oh, my goodness. Can you feel the presence, church? In Acts chapter 2, when they received the power, they didn't stay in that upper room. But they went right into the streets. And the Lord began to show me something. When you receive the power, and Jesus said it would be like cloven tongues of fire. In Acts, it says that when the Holy Spirit came, it was likened unto cloven tongues of fire. So the... The Bible uses that as a visual illustration that we can understand. And when that fire rested upon them, and that's why the Holy Spirit many times is depicted as fire. And it's like something was lit. And the illustration that I've seen in my heart, you ever seen like a lighter, you know, like click, click, right? And you click it and just a little flame. And that's like when you receive the Spirit, you, you're, the, you're a, a fire starter. You have that thing on the inside of you. But if you just click, click and hold a flame, it doesn't do much, right? And the second you kind of let it go, the flame disappears. But at the same time, if you click, click on that flame and there's a big pile of, you know, brush or wood, and especially if you've got a little lighter fluid, it doesn't take much. You just click, click with that little flame and a raging flame can he just burst out. And every time that we yield our vessel to God, just like even in the book of Acts in chapter 2, the second that thing hit them, they didn't stay in the upper room and just go, woo, and just stay there. They ran right out, and that flame started touching like gasoline every person they came into contact with. You see, when the Spirit of God starts coming alive on the inside of you, the world takes notice. They can't help but say, what's on that person that's different? Some might even mock it, but others will not be able to deny it. Even with supernatural miracles, some might mock and say, it's fake, it's all fake. There's always going to be a critic to say that. But let me tell you, 3,000 were added to the church that day. 
And let me tell you something, your life is so much bigger than even where it's at right now because the kingdom is going from glory to glory to glory. And right now in this church of reach community, God is raising up an army. God is raising up men and women that are pillars and soldiers in the army of the Lord ready to take this message to the four corners of this city and the four corners of this state and the four corners of this nation. Are you hearing me? It's no doubt that your pastors were missionaries overseas. It's no uh, a mistake that when they have yielded their life and everywhere that they've gone, that the power and spirit of God is poured out on them because this church is a nation-changing church. It's not some little church in the corner of Mandeville. This is a headquarters for a movement of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So when we yield our lives to the moving of God, we just have to say, yes, God, I want all that you have for me. I want that power. I want it to be, I, I want to be your witness to the ends of the earth. Revival starts right here. And growing up, you know, and we talk about revival a lot in church. But one thing when I remember with Brother Shambach, back to my Shambach story, so I'm having this incredible week, but he never prayed for me. And all these things are taking place, and I, we're sitting at dinner. We'd have this long table of dinner, you know, every night. It was really cool. And we're eating, but he was always at one end, I was at the other. You know, and a couple times I go down there and he's like eating dessert. And I'm like, hey. And I was just waiting for him just to be like, want prayer? <laughs> you know? Well, he was tired. He just preached all night. He just finished his dessert and like, I'm going to bed. I'm like, did you forget something? <laughs> he never prayed for me. I went back to the pastor who told me that. I said, you lied to me. <laughs> you said every day he'd pray for me. And he's like, oh, well, the week's not over. The week's not over. Well, let me tell you, the last day of the trip, the week was over. And he had yet to pray for me. So we're sitting there in the lobby of the hotel. He's sitting, I should say. And it's a busy hotel in Nairobi, busiest hotel in Nairobi. There's business people. There's, I mean, there's hundreds of people. big, huge lobby. And he's just sitting there in the chair. We're getting ready to uh, go to bed for the night and get up super early to leave for the airport. And I'm like, this is the last time I'm going to see him. And... Something in me is like, I still haven't gotten prayed for. Like, I just, right, that I still wanted that, you know. I just, I know there was nothing, like, weird about it, I don't think. I, I just wanted a blessing, you know. It's like, and I just, I couldn't sit. So he was sitting in the chair, like James is right there. And he was just kind of chilling by himself. And I just ran up and I said, Brother Shambach, would you bless me? Now, don't you think, Brother Shamp, you know what he did? Don't, don't you, in your head, don't you seem like, oh, my God, look at this sweet young man. Thank you for coming and asking for the blessing. No, you want to know what he said to me? He looks at me and goes, what are you trying to do, start a prayer line? He's like, I'm tired. Didn't you see me preach all night? Why don't you get prayed for at the crusade field? I was already embarrassed. I thought dropping to my knees and the big gesture was enough. Now I'm getting rebuked by him. And I knew at that moment I either run away. But I said, no, Brother Shambar. And I just stayed there. I said, I came on this trip, and I wanted you to pray for me and give me a blessing. I'm sorry if I've offended you or upset you, and you need to yell at me. That's okay, too. But would you still pray for me? <laughs> he said, so as you desire. And he laid his hands on me. He said, God bless this young man for being so rude and diligent at the same time. <laughs> yeah. 
And I pray, and I'll never forget this. He said, and I pray because his heart wants you more than anything, that you give him whatever his heart desires in Jesus' name. And I felt the power of God on me. I'll never forget, I got up, and there was literally 30 people in a line. Everybody's like, that boy's got a good idea. And he had to pray for like an hour. He was probably so mad at me. I'm serious. They all got, and it's Africa. And so, I mean, these brothers are like, Brother Shepard's laid hands on Get your friends here, you know. Like, we got crusade number two happening in the lobby of the hotel. I was first. And I went to bed. I was like, poor Brother Shambach, you know. I was... <laughs> but you know, something special happened from that moment, and a relationship got birthed. And the Lord allowed me to become friends with him. And he invited me down to their, their headquarters, and at the time it was Tyler, Texas, and I, I did work with him and his daughter and his staff, and I helped him with some financial accounting stuff and things that I'm good at, and, and, uh, and in return, he'd have me over to his house, and we'd eat KFC and watch John Wayne. <laughs> and then once we got done eating our chicken, we'd sit at his little table, and he'd tell me about miracles. He'd tell me the stories that I've only heard in books, and he'd tell me the details and how God did it, how he felt, and even the moments he felt inadequate, and how he didn't feel like he was good enough. But the power of God, and I watched this general of the faith talk about the power of God and how awesome it is and how we're just yielded vessels. And I tell you, the very thing I was seeking, I, I thought it was just this little moment, and it was like the Lord rewarded me for that hunger. And, you know, sometimes in our life when we want something from the Lord, you know, we just try a little bit. And we feel like, well, if I don't get it, then it's enough. But then there's other times where if you just don't turn it off and you don't deny it, the Lord will give you the desire of your heart. And you have to remember Elijah and Elisha. And he said, what do you want? He said, I, I don't want just what you have. I want a double portion. And see, there's something about that audacious, rude, and diligent faith that the Lord will bless when it's done with the humility and a pureness of heart. And I'm never forgetting, I, I just got to spend these moments with Brother Shambach, him and I, and it was so beautiful. And then he, he went on to be with Jesus, and they asked me to speak at his memorial. I was so honored. And they said, we wanted you to share. It was just me and T.D. Jakes and his daughter. That was it. And I was so intimidated then, too. I'm like, why am I being asked to do this? And they said, it's because he loved you because you wanted something for your generation. And that never left me, and it never has. And I tell you, now he's in heaven, and the Lord just keeps revealing that my glory on this earth has a mission yet to be accomplished until the second coming of Christ. And Brother Shambach's in heaven and many other generals of the faith that I've had the privilege of being around. And it's been kind of sad because honestly in the last 10 years, many of my heroes of the faith have died and passed on. 
and they're no longer here. And I was praying one day in a little bit of sadness because, oh my God, my, my heroes are all dying. And the Lord spoke to me as clear as day. He said, that's why you're here. They're gone, but the impartation's in you for your generation. Now take the same power and go into all the ends of the earth and be a witness for me. And everywhere you go, lay your hands on somebody who wants it and give it to somebody who is asking for a rude and diligent faith. Are you in here? And I just wonder if there's anybody in this room tonight that says, God, I want that for my life. God, use me. God, use me. Stir it on the inside of me. Impart it into me, God. I'm not okay with status quo. I'm not okay with a little scripture and go home. But God, I want the deep things. I want the fire. I want revival. I want it to start right here. I want it to be like a wildfire that spreads out for my generation. That I could look a devil in the face and just say no. And they drop to the ground. That I could look sickness in the eye and cast it out in Jesus' name. And they're healed and walking. Are you in this place tonight? The Lord is the rewarder of those who seek him. Knock and the door will be open. Seek and you will find is what Jesus said. And I'm telling you tonight, the Lord rewards those who come looking for him. And I just want to know if anybody in this room wants it tonight. Come on, does anybody want more from the Lord tonight? Thank you, Jesus. My goodness, can you feel his presence? Abby, you come play. Uh, let's lift our hands tonight. Father, we were, maybe the whole worship team just come up. But you go ahead and start. Father, we worship you tonight. I am just praying. You guys, we've been praying. Before I ever even got here, I was praying for this. Your pastors have been praying that this be a refreshing week. But see, it's a refreshing uh, experience when the Holy Spirit just pours out on you. Come on, who's hungry tonight? Who wants more of God tonight? Come on, lift your hands and just worship Him tonight. Who's ready to lay that on the altar? Your heart tonight to receive. 
Come on, be real. Be honest. Be genuine with the Lord right now. Come on, what are those things, the real stuff you're dealing with right now? The real dreams, the real desires, the real things you're seeking. What is it? Just be honest with God right now. Out of your mouth, just start saying Remember, like Jesus and the blind man, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? And if Jesus was right here on this stage and he was standing here and he asked you, what do you want me to do for you tonight? I wish right now you'd answer him. Go ahead. Tell him what you want tonight. Tell him what your prayer request is. Tell him what your desire is.